welcome to week eight of our video programming during this time of social distancing. Can you believe it's been eight weeks since we've met together as a church family? We are certainly grateful that we have the opportunity to come into your homes by way of media. And we are so grateful for the men who have worked countless hours to be able to record and bring these programs to you. And we appreciate so much uh, Matt Skinner and Jeff Vickers for all the hard work that they have done over these eight weeks. Now, we're coming to that time where we're praying and trying to determine when and how to transition back to public services. And we would, uh, we would appreciate your prayers for us. Uh, that God will give me and the leaders at the church wisdom as we talk, as we pray, as we uh, try to determine how to transition back and uh, when to do that. And so uh, we appreciate your prayers in that regard. There's one other thing you could do to help us. Uh, help us to enlarge our social media outreach. If you're watching this program today on YouTube, then why don't you subscribe to our YouTube channel? And if you're on our Facebook page... Now, go ahead and like our page, share this program right now with those uh, who you're connected with, and maybe even start a watch party so others that might be interested could uh, catch this program this morning. We would appreciate your help in, in all of those things. Now, of course, today's Mother's Day, and so motherhood is our theme for all of our programs. This morning, I'm going to be speaking on the subject, Hope for Motherhood. And then this evening at 6 o'clock, we have a mystery missionary who's going to be with us. Now, I know who that missionary is, but I want it to be a surprise to you. So, 6 o'clock this evening, our mystery missionary will be joining me and we'll be talking about the blessing of mothers. And then starting tomorrow, uh, for the morning devotion time this week, I'll be sharing some thoughts from the book of Proverbs along the theme of my mom's advice. And the book of Proverbs records for us some of the greatest advice moms ever gave to her children. And we'll be considering some of those during our daily devotions this week. One of our uh, members here at Community Baptist, a lady who's been with our church family from the very beginning, is Hannah Rodriguez. Hannah along with her dad and mom, became charter members of Community Baptist Church when the church was established. Hannah's dad was one of our first deacons here at the church, and then years ago, God took him home uh, to glory. Uh, Hannah's mom is still here uh, with us in this life, um, and she has a very special place in our hearts. Uh, she has uh, been a Sunday school teacher in the children's ministry uh, for so many years. And uh, we're so appreciative for the privilege of having had Jaime and Zaida Rodriguez as a part of our church family here at CBC. And Hannah has been vital in our children's ministry and our music ministry. And her mom holds a very special place in her heart. And so Hannah's going to sing for us a song entitled, Call Her Blessed. I hope you'll enjoy this song. She saw my first step, she heard 
Thank you, Hannah, for that song about mothers and motherhood. And I know uh, your mom, Zida, holds a special place in your heart. And, and your um, blessing her is uh, so uh, precious to us today. And we appreciate moms everywhere. 
And uh, thank you for singing about the blessedness of your mom and sharing that with us today. Well, I want to share a message for the next few moments entitled The Hope for Motherhood. The Hope for Motherhood. And I want to go back to the book of the Bible that establishes our Christian worldview on many areas of life. And that's the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. You see, what is the hope of motherhood? What do I mean when I offer the title, the hope for motherhood? Well, the purpose behind the title is to draw attention to the worldview war on motherhood. Uh, this worldview war uh, is a war between those who have a Christian worldview and those who have a secular worldview of motherhood. And, uh, and there's hope for motherhood. But the hope for motherhood is found in going back to the Word of God and developing a Christian worldview on the blessedness of motherhood and the wonder of babies and the blessing that they are to our lives. This war became pronounced in Western culture in the 1920s when Margaret Sanger came on the scene. Margaret Sanger opposed marriage, she opposed morality, and she opposed Christianity. And so in her attacks against the morality of the Word of God and against marriage, uh, she uh, developed a, 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 a trinity of, um, of tools to be able to attack uh, morality and marriage. Her three tools were birth control, sterilization, and abortion. She developed those three tools into a program to keep babies from being born. She was particularly attacking certain segments of our culture and civilization. She believed that what she called the Aryan race was superior to all other people groups. She particularly hated blacks and Jews. She called them the weeds of humanity. And she purposed to destroy the inferior people groups that she uh, I speak from her mentality when I say the inferior people groups. She planned this program to be able to destroy them, and she was going to destroy them by keeping them from conceiving babies, sterilizing them so they couldn't conceive babies, and aborting the babies they did conceive. That was her plan to destroy the Jewish people, the black people, and other uh, groups that she thought of as the weeds of our civilization. And, and so she established an organization that was called the Birth Control League. And that organization later became what we know of today as Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood and the earlier name, the Birth Control League, were designed to be able to stop the motherhood and bearing babies of certain groups in civilization. And, and so 
these organizations were not designed, as the name might insinuate, planned parenthood, how to plan to be a parent, but rather they were designed to determine who could become a parent in an attempt to promote the Aryan race, so-called, and to destroy other groups. Well, that is entirely opposite of a Christian worldview in which there is only one race. There are not lesser, inferior races and greater, more advanced races. That, that's the terminology that came to us from atheistic evolution. The reality is there is one race. It's called the human race. All descended from one man and one woman, Adam and Eve. And the human race has value. And God is pro-babies. Throughout the Bible, we find God is pro-family, pro-babies, pro-motherhood. And so there has developed a war of worldviews, <clears throat> excuse me, between a Christian worldview that accepts God's view of motherhood and family and babies versus a secular worldview that oftentimes is controlled by those who are in opposition to Christian morality, the family, marriage is defined by God, and all, some of the things that we struggle with as a Western culture uh, to this very day. Now, I say God is pro-babies. Uh, from the very beginning, we see the emphasis of babies and motherhood in the creation of humanity. When we go back to the book of Genesis, we find that the very name or title woman that was used in the book of Genesis is made up of two words, the word womb and the word man. When the Bible says that God created them, male and female created he them, called her woman, God was saying that she is a man who has a womb. Now you understand that the woman came out of the man. God created the first woman from the rib of the first man. So woman came out of man. So she was man. She was like a man with one important distinction. She had a womb that a man did not have. So she was a womb man or a man with a womb. So from the very beginning, there is an emphasis on birth, on babies, on motherhood from the very beginning, from the very name woman. In the New Testament, there are two words that are translated woman. One is a primary word that occurs a couple of hundred times. But the second is a very particular word, and it's only used five times in the New Testament. Uh, when you transliterate the, the uh, letters from Greek into English, uh, it would be spelled T-H-E-L-U-S. And it means to nurse or nipple. And it's translated woman. And this word is used only five times. It's used of in the Gospels, uh, quoting the Old Testament book of Genesis, speaking of the creation of humanity as man and woman. And that word, which means nipple or nurse, 
is used to speak of God creating woman from her very beginning. Her distinguishing quality is that she has the capability of nursing the infants she bears. Then the word is also used twice in Romans chapter 1. A very sad chapter in our Bible. It's a chapter about the apostasy and downward spiral of human culture. When the Bible talks about a woman use, uh, uh, losing the natural use and adopting that which is against nature. And a man rejecting the natural use of the woman and accepting that which is against nature. When man lives intimately with man, we would call it homosexuality today. In Romans chapter 1, the Bible speaks of the downward spiral of culture that ends up in an environment where both men and women reject the natural created order of God's worldview and reject the purpose of woman. She is one who nurses, and the word is used twice in that chapter of the woman and her ability to nurse the children she bears. And so when a, when a culture rejects the natural purpose of woman, then we have problems in culture. And so in all of this, we see that God has a design. In Genesis, woman, man with a womb. In Romans and in the Gospels, a woman who is a nurser, one who nurses. The distinguishing character of a woman is that she's a man with a womb and bosoms to be able to bear and nurse children. So God is pro-babies. He's pro-motherhood. He created the human race in a unique way in which humanity has a male and a female counterpart that are both the same. They're both man. Uh, we use the word mankind today because of political correctness. Uh, but the word man has always been used of, the, of mankind. And then in that mankind, there is a distinguishing between a man without a womb and a man with a womb and bosoms. And the distinguishing characteristic goes back to the purpose for which God created us the way he created us. And our gender is determined by how God created us. And, uh, and our, our role in life is determined by how God created us. God is pro-family, pro-marriage, pro-babies. And that means God is pro-motherhood from the very creation of the world. Now, we see this throughout the Bible and several times in the book of Genesis. Let me make three statements about motherhood uh, and see that the, the hope of motherhood is to go back to a biblical worldview and accept God's view of the wonderful blessedness of mom. And so three statements I want to make. The first statement is, and each of these statements is a truth declared by Scripture, and the first truth would be that God blesses people by giving them children. I want to read from Genesis chapter 17. Here in Genesis chapter 17 and in verse number 20, the Bible is speaking of um, Abraham's son Ishmael. Genesis 17:20. the Bible says, And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee, behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. 
Did you catch that? God said, I will bless Israel. How will he bless him? He will bless him by allowing him to create fruitfulness. He and his wife bear children, exceeding many children, is the indication that God has blessed. Motherhood is all about God blessing humanity. And then I read in Genesis chapter 22 and verse number 15. And this would be speaking of Abraham and Isaac. Abraham, Sarah, and Sarah who bore Isaac. And so in Genesis 22 and in verse number 15, the Bible says that the angel of the Lord called unto Abram out of heaven a second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. God talking to Abraham about his son Isaac and how that God's blessing upon Abraham because of his obedience is that through Isaac, God would give children a multitude of children that would produce a multitude of children and would produce what we know of today as the people of Israel. This amazing people group in the history of humanity that that a anti-God, a secular worldview, has tried to destroy over and over again, tried to destroy the Jewish people. And yet God said that through his blessing on humanity, he would bless the entire human population through the descendants of Abraham through Isaac. And so this amazing blessing of bearing children, lots of children, multitudes of children that will in turn be a blessing into the entire world. I also read in Genesis chapter number 33 and in verse number 5 about Jacob and Esau. Genesis 33 and verse number 5, the Bible says, and he lifted up his eyes and saw the women and the children and said, Who are those with thee? And he said, The children which God hath graciously given thy servant. Then the handmaidens came near and the, they and the children and bowed themselves down. All of the children that God had graciously given over and over again, we find in the Bible that God blesses. And one of the ways he blesses is by giving the ability to bear children. And the blessing of children, motherhood, is the blessing of God upon humanity. I won't take time to turn there now, but over in Psalm 107, there's a, a psalm that speaks of, uh, it's a very long psalm that speaks of how God blesses uh, humanity and, and all the various ways God blesses humanity. And one of those ways that are mentioned in Psalm 107 is that God blesses humanity by giving the birth of children. Children 
are a blessing from God. Motherhood is a sign that God is blessing humanity. And, and a biblical worldview values babies and values motherhood because over and over and over again in the Bible, we see that this is God's blessing upon people. You know, there are those who are blessed in other ways that are not blessed with having children. Either God did not uh, purpose and, uh, and, and allow them to have a life partner, or God uh, withheld the fruit of the womb and they were not able to bear children. And so God's blessing in their situation did not come by way of birthing children. Uh, sometimes in some families, the withholding of the blessing of birthing children opened up an amazing opportunity to be blessed by mothering children that have lost their natural parents. And so adoption comes into play. And the Bible talks about God's blessing of placing families, of placing children, orphans into families where they can be mothered by a mom and they can have a dad that can care for them. And God blesses those ad adoptive families. What a blessing it has been at Community Baptist to have always had families that have adopted children. Families in which the parents grew up as adopted children. And adoption is another way that God blesses and enables a mom, a woman, to be a mom to children. And that bond of adoptive motherhood grows powerful as a mom chooses a child and invites that child into her life and into her home to mother that child. I mean, children are just a blessing. Whether they come naturally or come through adoption, children are a blessing. And that means motherhood is a blessing. But you know, I've seen a lot of situations where the joy and blessing of motherhood uh, sometimes comes uh, a little bit later than the event that brought joy. Uh, what I mean by that is sometimes the joy of the experience with our children comes when we reflect back on situations and have to laugh at something that happened that we didn't laugh about when it happened. I heard about a teacher at the end of the school day. It was in the wintertime. Think snow and cold and coats and mittens and boots. And so she was a teacher of a Sunday, of a kindergarten group. And at the end of the day, there was a little kindergarten boy that uh, was struggling to get his boots on. And he worked at it and worked at it and couldn't get them on. He looked up and, and caught the eye of the teacher. And the teacher came over and got down on the floor with the little boy. And she began to help him get his boots on. It was a tough job. But she finally got his boots on. And when he got his boots on, when she got his boots on, the little boy stood up and looked down at his feet. And he said, teacher... They're on the wrong feet. And sure enough, when he stood up and put his feet together, the boots were on the wrong feet. And so, exasperated, the kindergarten teacher pulled the boots off from the little boy's feet. And, uh, and, and, and she switched them around. And she worked and struggled and worked and struggled. And finally got the right boot on the right foot. And he stood up. And, and as he stood up, he looked down at him and he said, they're not my boots. And, 
and the teacher just about cried or said some things in, in the exasperation, she reached down and she pulled the boots off. And as she pulled the second boot off, he said, they're my brothers. My mom told me I had to wear them today. And so the teacher looked at him with eyeballs that glared and she began the work again of getting the boots back on his feet. She finally got the boots back on his feet. He stood up and she looked at him and she said, now, where are your mittens? And she said, well, I stuffed them in the toes of my boots. And about that time, the teacher lost it. You know, sometimes dealing with children bring a lot of humor into life. And sometimes it's not at the moment of the humorous experience, but it's later when we reflect back and laugh at the amazing gift of children into our lives. And the things that they do that, uh, that are humorous, sometimes humorous later. God blesses people. By bringing children into their lives, God is pro-babies, pro-children, and pro-motherhood. It is a part of how he created women, and it's how he blesses women. Let me give you a second truth. God values a godly mother. The greatest passage in the Bible that talks about God's value of a godly mother is probably the 31st chapter of Proverbs. In this amazing chapter, we have the, the, um, the picture of a godly mom. And we find the value that she has. Um, she is praised so uh, powerfully as her husband and her children think of her. The chapter of Proverbs ends by saying, Her children arise up. And call her blessed. Her husband also. And he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously. But thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful. And beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord. She shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands. And let her own works praise her in the gates. That's Quite a blessing pronounced upon a godly mother. The Bible says that she is praised by her husband, her children, and God gives her honor by putting this in the Word of God. And she is a praised and a uh, honored woman who has been godly and who has raised her children well. She is highly praised. But not only is she highly praised, but we also see outlined in this Proverbs chapter 31, her character. Oh, it's powerful to read through this chapter of Proverbs and to note how it is that, uh, that she earns this praise for, from her husband and how she earns this praise from her children. The character, the skill, the things that she brings into her family are profound and are outlined in an amazing way in Proverbs 31. It's a great chapter for young women that are growing up to memorize because it's God's picture of a godly mother and she is highly praised. And her character comes out so powerfully in this chapter. Peter Marshall, 
was a, um, a Presbyterian pastor here in America back in the 1940s. He became, at the end of his uh, years of ministry, he became the U.S. Senate chaplain. He was highly regarded as the chaplain of the Senate, and he was the, uh, the chaplain for, 19, uh, for two years, 1947 and 1948. It ended when he died unexpectedly uh, of a heart attack as a, a young man at 46 years of age. Peter Marshall was highly regarded by his peers uh, and for what he brought to the United States Senate as the chaplain. Peter Marshall addressed the value of motherhood, the character of the godly women who earn the praise of God, husband and children, as mom. Here's what he said. The modern challenge to motherhood is the eternal challenge, that of being a godly woman. The very phrase sounds strange to our ears. We, we never hear it now. We hear about every other type of woman. We hear about beautiful women, smart women, sophisticated women, career women, talented women, even divorced women. But so seldom do we hear of a godly woman or of a godly man either, for that matter. I believe women come nearer to fulfilling their God-given function in the home than anywhere else. It is a much nobler thing to be a good wife than to be Miss America. It is a greater achievement to establish a Christian home than it is to produce a second-rate novel filled with filth. It is a far, far better thing in the realms of morals to be old-fashioned rather than ultra-modern. The world has enough women who know how to be smart. It needs women who are willing to be simple. The world has enough women who know how to be brilliant. It needs some who will be brave. The world has enough women who are popular. Well, Peter Marshall realized that godly women are priceless and precious. And they earn the highest accolades from God for their motherhood in the home. Her husband, her children rise up and call her blessed because of the godly character that she displayed in her home. And then I want you to look at her value in verse number 10 of this same chapter. Verse number 10 says, Who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. Who can find a virtuous woman? Now, that word virtuous is an interesting word. It's, it's a word which speaks of momentum. It's a word that speaks of strength or force. It's the idea that if you can find a virtuous woman, a woman who's going somewhere, a woman who has motivation, a woman who has momentum, a, a woman who has strength, if a man can find that kind of woman to be his wife, her price is far Above rubies. This speaks of her value. A godly woman, a virtuous woman, is valued at being worth far more than precious gemstones. Far above rubies. You know, the idea in that verse is something we've lost in our culture today. It's the idea of a bride price. It's the idea 
that a man would save and prepare and save and, and, and he would reimburse the father of the woman he would marry with a financial gift that spoke of how much he valued that father's daughter and how valuable that daughter was to her father. And if he's going to take that daughter away from her father, the father is losing a large amount of value in his life. And so a young man would recompense the father to be able to secure the hand of that man's daughter in marriage. And that's what's being talked about. If you can find a virtuous woman, a woman with momentum and strength and, and character, a woman whose dad and mom had spent a lifetime developing her character, teaching her how to live godly, teaching her right from wrong, developing her into a virtuous woman, her price, her value is so great that it'll take this young man tremendous energy and effort to accumulate that which he will need to recompense the father for the hand of his daughter in marriage. It's kind of like that song, popular song, uh, The Wind Beneath My Wings. Uh, she is the wind beneath my wings. A man will go further in life with a godly woman who's the wind beneath his wings, causing him to rise higher. And she becomes his hero in life. He values her because of the character of her life that has brought such value into their family. The Bible even describes that a man with such a wife is well spoken of amongst the community because his wife has elevated him. That's the idea behind the creation of woman in Genesis where the Bible says that God created Adam and help that was meet for him. She was fitting to elevate him and help him accomplish greater things in the plan and purpose of God for his life. And she would be the wind that would lift him. She has value. She has character. She is highly praised in Proverbs 31. Yes, she's praised because of her character. And because of her character, she has great value. What a picture of God. You know, God views the people that get saved as his bride. And what did God do to secure his bride? He went to the cross of Calvary and he paid the price of his own life. He laid down his life to secure his bride. This is the picture of the bride price. The groom paying an exorbitant price to acquire a valuable wife. One with character. One with godliness. Who will bring such value into his family. And so God did that. When Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary to secure you and me to be his bride. And you know what he wants? He wants us to live our lives in honor of the one who saved us, bearing children. That's what reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. 
missions and world evangelism is taking the gospel to secure grandchildren for God, to secure for God those who will come into his family through the spread of the gospel that we're engaged in. It's, it's such a beautiful correlation, the picture of God purchasing the bride with the price of his own life and then the bride securing generations of children for the God who paid the price to make us his bride. All of this elevates motherhood. A Christian worldview lifts women to a pedestal. It lifts mothers and shows that motherhood is valuable and blessed. God values a godly mother. Now, let me just also say, because there are some women who never marry and they never become a mother. And I want you to understand that God has a purpose and a plan for every person. And sometimes God's plan for a woman is not to become a mother. And in this chapter, in verse number 30, the Bible says favor is deceitful. And I'm sorry, let me go back one more verse. Verse number 29, many daughters have done virtuously. And it's the same word that's used in verse 10 when it says, Who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. Verse 29 says, Many daughters have done virtuously. Many daughters have lived a life of accomplishment and have fulfilled the will of God for their lives and have been a glory to God in the lives that they've lived. And many daughters have done virtuously. But here in this chapter, God is highlighting the work of motherhood. And so he speaks to that effect. Let me give you one final truth before we close out today. The third truth is that God secures victories through large families. Now, we could go back through some of the verses we read in Genesis. I want to turn just to one verse because it's, a, it's quite an interesting verse. Uh, and that's in Genesis chapter number 24. There's several verses in Genesis and elsewhere uh, as well where, where the emphasis of large families is the accomplishment of protection. Uh, here in uh, Genesis 24, verse 60, this is uh, Rebekah, who is about to get married to Isaac. And Rebekah's brothers are giving her a wedding blessing. So get the idea of being at a wedding. And the bride's brothers are pronouncing upon their sister a wedding blessing. And here's the wedding blessing in Genesis 24:60, And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Thou art our sister. Be thou the mother of thousands of millions. That's a pretty, that's a large family. God, God is pro-baby. He's pro lots of babies. And, and from a biblical worldview, the idea is that the blessing of God is, is a large family. And the, the wedding blessing was be thou the mother of thousands of millions. Now, obviously, that's talking about not only the babies that she'll bear, but the babies they'll bear and that they'll bear, producing that great people we know of as the nation of Israel. But here's the thing. The verse goes on and says, And let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. Here's a final thought. 
God secures victories through large families. Several places in the Bible, in Genesis and in Psalms, the Bible talks about a large family having a particular ability to protect the interests of the family. A small family doesn't have that numerous people to protect the interests of the family. So there's a particular reference over and over again in the Bible to large families bringing great protection of the assets and the properties and the values of the family. Now let me put that in a Christian worldview perspective. It's a good thing that those who are of a secular worldview mind don't have babies or don't have very many babies because we don't want them to multiply the, the assets, the, the interests of an anti-God culture. But for Christians to have lots of babies and train those children up to know God and to love God and to serve God and to go out as preachers and missionaries, deacons and Sunday school teachers, uh, ushers and choir members to raise a multitude of, of children who will serve God multiplies the interests of God. And so motherhood is a particular blessing in that it enables the assets of God to be multiplied throughout the world. There was a preacher uh, that was uh, that told a story that happened to him, actually happened to him and his son. He and his son were uh, getting on an airplane to take a trip, and they got on the airplane, they buckled into their seats, and a dad and a little boy, I don't know how old the little boy was, maybe about six, seven years of age, and, and, and a stewardess came by. The stewardess, uh, by the conversation that ensued, it became obvious that the uh, stewardess, uh, was a very secular minded, had a secular worldview, and and so as uh, as she was tending to the uh, uh, to the uh, people in the plane, she looked at the little boy and, and engaged with the little boy and and said, "Oh, you're traveling with your dad," and that led to a conversation, and it was warm and spirit, you know, just a, a good spirit. And, and the little boy said, "Yes, he was excited. He was traveling to a certain place with his dad." And, and the the stewardess, just making conversation, says to the little boy, said, do you, do you have any brothers or sisters? And, and he looked back. Now, the little boy, he does not have a secular worldview. His worldview has been shaped by his dad and mom reading the Bible to their children, teaching their children the truths of God's Word. So he has a very biblical worldview. And he is not communicating with the secular worldview or the stewardess. And it causes confusion. The stewardess says, oh, you have, you have brothers and sisters. How many do you have? And he says, well, I'm, and I don't remember the exact number that, was, uh, that the, the preacher told. But it was, you know, I've got, I've got uh, three brothers and two sisters or whatever. And, and the stewardess kind of, you know, she was just shocked, you know, at the number of, of kids in this family. And, and she says, whoa, uh, does, is, does your mom want a, a sports team? And the little boy he kind of scrunched up his eyebrows. And he said, well, well, no, my, my mom wants an army. And, and the stewardess, of course, doesn't have a clue what is in the little boy's mind. And he doesn't have a clue what's in her mind. And that's the clash of worldviews. See, the little boy had been trained that as dads and moms, they were raising an army of children to serve in the Lord's army. To go out and to do the work of God all over the world. 
the secular worldview was, you know, uh, you get a crowd of people together, what do you have? A sports team. But the little boy had something far elevated than that. Because the Bible teaches that multiple children will possess the gates of the enemy. In other words, God wins victories through large families. And that is an amazing reality of a biblical worldview. Well, here, let me read a poem uh, by J.R. Miller. It came from a book called Homemaking. This is a book that was written a few generations ago. It's been reprinted because of its worldview, its Christian worldview regarding motherhood. Here's the way people used to view motherhood. The bravest battle that was ever fought, shall I tell you where and when? On the maps of the world you will not find it. T'was fought in the, by the mothers of men. Nay, not with cannon or battle shot, with sword or noble pen. Nay, not with eloquent words or thought from the mouths of wonderful men. But deep in a walled up mother's heart of a woman that would not yield... But bravely, silently bore her part. So there is that battlefield. No marshalling troops, no bivouac song, no banner to gleam and wave. But oh, these battles, they last so long from babyhood to the grave. The amazing hope for motherhood is to reclaim a Christian worldview of what life is all about. And the great value of motherhood is that mothers have the unique opportunity to bear the next generation of people and then to tend to them, to nurse them, to mold them, to shape their lives, to shape what they believe, to shape how they think as she pours her life into theirs 24-7, week after week, pouring her life into those precious children that God blessed her with. Such is the value and blessing of godly mothers. And I would say to you who are mothers, whether you bore children naturally or whether you adopted children into your family to mother them, I would say praise God for your life. Praise God for every character, godly principle that you live out in front of your children and then incorporate into their lives. You have great value. And the hope of motherhood is a revival of biblical worldview that exalts motherhood to a pedestal and sees the tremendous value you have to all of our lives. God bless you, moms. You have great value to us. And we'll talk about that more as this week goes on. Thank you for tuning in today. Thank you for listening to some biblical principles and truths on the hope for motherhood. Thank you for joining us today on this Mother's Day Sunday morning at Community Baptist Church. This evening at 6 o'clock, we're going to continue the theme of motherhood and the blessing of mom. I have a 
a uh, mystery missionary that's going to uh, be joining with me at 6 o'clock. I know who that missionary is, but I want it to be a surprise to you. So come back at 6 o'clock. We'll enjoy uh, some discussion about the value of moms uh, in the life and through the the heart and experiences of this missionary. That's at 6 o'clock this evening. And then starting tomorrow morning and going into this week, we're going to be bringing some daily devotions from the book of Proverbs. I'm entitled in this, My Mom's Advice. We have some amazing advice from moms coming to us from the book of Proverbs. And we're going to be sharing some of those thoughts this week. Those devotions will be posted on the church's Facebook page. Usually they're there at 7.30 in the morning, and uh, you can uh, catch us there. And I hope those thoughts will be a blessing to you. After this uh, feed ends, we're going to be uh, bringing to on our Facebook page the uh, family sing over at Jonathan and Ann Simpson's home. And so if you're on the Facebook page, I hope you'll uh, hang around just for a few moments and click the next live feed and then uh, enjoy some uh, some singing together, the hymns of the faith. They'll take some uh, re- some uh, requests if you'll uh, send those in using your uh, Facebook And uh, they will uh, be happy to play and sing those songs. If you're watching today on our YouTube channel, jump over to our Facebook page. I'm going to be heading over there. Hope to see you there. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for part of a Sunday service at Community Baptist Church. I hope to meet you soon. May God impress His love upon your heart this week.